Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, pairing beer and music since 1988. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Listen critically, enjoy responsibly. What do you love about music? To begin with? Everything. Putting on a great show is the most important thing you can do. One great rock show can change the world. Welcome to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis, the pop music critic at the Chicago Sun-Times. And I'm Greg Cott. I write about rock and roll for the Chicago Tribune. Tonight on the world's only rock and roll talk show, one of our fun shows, Jim, one of the ones I look most forward to. We live for this one. Yes, we get out the shovel, we start digging, <laughs> we look for those buried treasures, those records that we feel have been unjustly overlooked. Some people would months. say we're shoveling it every <laughs> yeah. every week. but And they'd be right. Yeah. We live for this show. We love to turn our listeners on to music that they may not have heard. And we are also man enough to admit that with some 35,000 official label CDs, uh, albums released every year, that's not counting the MySpace universe, all the stuff that's DIY on the net. It's impossible to listen to everything. Absolutely. There's no way. So we're taking calls from our listeners who are going to hopefully turn us on to some good music that we've missed because nobody can hear everything. Although sound opinions, we try. <laughs> First, as always, though, we have some music news. Cause I got friends in no places where the whiskey drowns and the beer chases my blues away. And I'll be okay. Oh, my God. You know, I, I keep thinking, that, you know, if there's ever going to be a war, the worlds are going to judge us on things like the kind of music that we love. Yeah, and if if we send a rocket to outer space, and uh, it, it here's the best-selling artist in history of America, right? <laughs> and they're assuming it's going to be somebody cool like Elvis, who had been the best-selling artist Elvis in, in the history held that of American music. Yeah. Yes, but that man right there that you just heard, Garth Brooks, is soon to overtake Elvis as the king, the best-selling artist in the history of uh, American music. He is about to uh, surpass Elvis's record of 118.5 million albums sold. He's only about 2.5 million copies away. By the end of the year, he should be there. You know, fuzzy math. I mean, uh, you know. Well, he's cheating. Exactly. Tell them what the scam is. He's basically made up a lot of ground on Elvis in recent years by repackaging his material. Not that Elvis hasn't done that. But uh, Elvis is at least dead. (laughs) Yeah. Garth Brooks is uh, selling repackaging his music in a five-CD box set that is selling for like 25 bucks. In other words, he's basically losing money on this. Yeah, the record uh, company admits that they're lo- selling this as a loss leader mm-hmm. just because he has this ego thing to catch up and surpass Elvis so he can go around and say, I'm the best-selling artist in America of all time. And, and the way the, uh, the recording industry uh, tabulates record sales, Jim, they count each CD in a box set as a single sale. So if you sell a five-CD box set for 25 bucks, that counts as five CD sales. So he's making up a lot of ground in a short amount of time, soon to be the biggest-selling artist in, in the history of American music. It just ain't right. <laughs> Looks like we made it. Left each other on the way to another love. Looks like we made it. This 
show's going in the toilet immediately, Greg. I mean, we're, very, we're, we're playing Garth Brooks, and we're playing the King of Schmaltz, Mr. Barry Manilow. What a way. Hang in there, folks. Hang in with us, because it's going to get better, I promise. <laughs> but this is a story that is too rich for us to ignore. This comes out of the British press, which is talking about a controversy in Rockdale, a suburb uh, south of Sydney, down in Australia. Apparently, there is a, uh, a serious juvenile delinquent problem, antisocial young people on the streets. Imagine that. Misbehaving. Uh, in Australia, they call these young car-fancying youths or hooligans youths. hoons. They call them hoons, <laughs> H-O-O-N-S. I did not know that. And uh, they're a problem. They're making a lot of noise. They're keeping people up. And they are blasting their own doof music. Mm. D-O-O-F. I love that. I, I, I want some of this doof music. What does it sound like? I have no idea. Can we play some of that on Sound I, Opinion? So, so you got young kids, you know, blessed in uh, music, right? So the uh, City Council of Rockdale, or whatever they call the, uh, the, the governing body down there in Australia, has decided that they have the ultimate weapon to drive these kids off the streets. And that would be, they're going to blast Barry Manilow music out of it. It's brilliant. And I need you today, I love that. It's actually well done. I, you know what this is? This is a benevolent municipal version mm-hmm. of the sonic torture with which we tormented Noriega mm-hmm. when we when he was down there in Panama, you know? Yeah. I mean, they were blasting, if you recall, the, the Marines uh, were blasting Van Halen at him. Yeah. And it didn't do any good, you know? <laughs> and I think what they should have done was, was blast Manilow at him. <laughs> yeah. Although I maintain that we're missing an opportunity here because the ultimate album of all time, I will vote, Metal Machine Music by Lou Reed. Yeah, just uh, an hour and a half of drone. Yeah, four, one four electric vinyl, guitar drone. Four yeah. vinyl album sides yeah. uh, of, of each of 21 minutes long of nothing but grating, screeching feedback. Personally, I run in the other direction. As soon as I hear that violin player in the Dave Matthews band, oh. that would drive me uh, off the streets. Well, you Please, anything but that, Mr. Officer, sir. Uh, isn't there like an entire like radio format that just exists to play yeah. Dave Matthews every 45 minutes? They do, yes. That's why you're not often seen <laughs> out in public, huh? That's uh, Billy Preston, number one song, Will It Go Around in Circles, from uh, the early 70s when he had a string of number one hits. He died at age 59 this week, a zealot-like figure in uh, rock and roll. Hung out with the uh, the Beatles and the Stones, recorded on their albums, uh, was a member of Little Richard's touring band, appeared on several of the greatest albums of all time, including Sly Stone's There's a Riot Going On, had his own solo career uh, with a number of big hit records. A lot of people talk about this guy as a benevolent presence wherever he went. He could bring uh, warring factions together. And, he, and I think the best example of that, Jim, was uh, the Let It Be sessions right, with right. the Beatles when they were just, they just hated each other. They the didn't want to be in the same room together. Going to hell in a handbasket. They uh, bring Preston in. He was uh, fun yeah. to party with. George Harrison was uh, friends with him, as was McCartney. They brought him into the sessions. And whenever Billy was in the room, they, they all had to sort of get along. They didn't want to have their fisticuffs and bad vibes in front of Billy Preston, one of their friends. So 
uh, Preston was sort of a unifying factor in that record, and he played on that famous uh, rooftop concert, which was the last public performance by the Beatles. Well, he was certainly a, a public relations genius at parlaying that into into his <laughs> tagline. I mean, there wasn't a single obit that ran uh, last week that didn't say the fifth Beatle. Now, granted, there have been any number of fifth Beatles, not yeah. the least of which was George Martin. And right. But Preston, you know, from playing on basically one song and hanging out <laughs> at those sessions, he played on many more for the Stones. He was all over Sticky Fingers and Exile on Main Street. I think he played on better Stones albums and had better contributions than he ever did with the Beatles. But man, all you have to do is touch that Beatles image and in your, your yeah. you, know, you got gold dust for life. It, it even led some people to forgive the fact that he starred and was atrocious in, <laughs> you know, the Robert Stigwood Bee Gees film version of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club. Now, there's a question. Did anybody distinguish themselves in that project at all? Was there anybody involved in that project that came out looking better than they did before they went into it? Oh, no, no. It was the heaven's <laughs> gate of its time. Yes. Nobody came out of that. Not Frampton, not the Bee Gees. No, that just ruined many a fine career. Yes. Maybe it can be said that uh, Preston was never the same afterward either. Uh, he, had, he had some problems in the 90s with drugs. But again, a, a beloved figure. And uh, one of those unifying forces that the Stones and, and the Beatles to this day talk reverently about as, as just being a great guy and a, and, a, and a great guy to have on their sessions. A little bit of acrimony with the Stones in that he uh, apparently did have a hand in writing some of the songs on their Black and Blue album, which I know you're not a big fan of, but I actually think is a very underrated Stones You've record. You've defended that record. Uh, no, for the massages. The Stones at their most misogynistic oh. and least interesting music. No doubt about that. But the song Melody, uh, which is one of those songs. <laughs> oh, you'll forgive that. But it's a group. Oh, no problem. It got, got a great group to it. Preston <laughs> claims that he had he, that was his groove and uh, the Stones as, as Ron Wood will tell you uh Keith and uh, Mick not really cool about sharing the songwriting credits in that band. Yeah, But uh, we will miss uh, Billy Preston and his role in music. Great keyboard player. In the early 70s, he was uh, a pioneer in using the synthesizer, besides being a very accomplished piano player and uh, gospel-based organ player, featuring the synthesizer on uh, songs like Space Race and this one that we're going to play next, Out of Space, from his early 70s run of Top 40 Hits. It's on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio. Time for Buried Treasures. We are very excited about this, Mr. Cott and I. To start these shows in order to figure out which of us gets to go first, Mr. Matt Spiegel, our longstanding producer, comes in here. He's got the Sound Opinions commemorative quarter, which we finally have uh, my likeness on one side, yours on the other. Truly unattractive. Uh, Mr. Cott, Maybe yeah. the most unattractive quarter in the history of uh, the U.S. Treasury. That is, that is a bad-looking quarter. You, you call it. Uh, I'm going to call Cott. 
And it's me. I won. Do you I never right. win. Usually Spiegel rigs these things. Well, there things. you go. All right. Well, I'm actually going to start with a uh, treasure that is buried twice over because uh, it's a tribute <laughs> record that is uh, paying tr- homage to a uh, fairly obscure musical great. And there's a bunch of uh, cool, uh, cutting-edge kind of musicians on there doing it. The record is called Monsieur Gainsbourg Revisited. <laughs> Who is Serge Gainsbourg? Well, we played a little sample of him a couple of weeks back when we were talking about duets. Gainsbourg had a number of them, and they were all great. He was famously a French poet, a singer-songwriter, an actor, a director, but most of all, a raconteur. Mm -hmm. And some would say a dirty old man. (laughs) Uh, There was a perpetual, uh, you know, leer in in Mr. Gainsbourg's voice and in his look. He was big in France in the 60s and 70s, at, at different times dabbled in jazz recordings, Proto world beat very early on, kind of bringing in uh, third world rhythms into uh, Western pop music, and also just this weird psychedelic pop, uh, which he's probably best known for. Great, great songs where he would duet with vocalists uh, like Jane Birkin, with whom he had a child, and notably Bridget Bardot on the song Bonnie and Clyde. From time to time, uh, Gainsbourg is rediscovered by uh, indie underground types or dance artists and uh, is paid tribute to. This is the latest attempt along those lines. Monsieur Gainsbourg revisited is the name of the album some great pairings on here you have cat power and karen ellison doing a song you have jarvis cocker of pulp (laughs) there's a song by tricky there's a solo track by michael stipe of rem marianne faithful and sly and robbie the reggae rhythm section that sounds pretty cool Uh, some really good stuff but uh, for me the million dollar track kicks off the record and it is franz ferdinand with Jane Birkin. Really great duetting with Franz Ferdinand, who, who kind of carry that tradition yeah. of the storyteller, playboy. Alex Kapranos uh, is perfect for this. Yeah, Bond, James yes. Bond. They've got that whole thing wrapped up in there. And it's, uh, they do a song called A Song for Sorry Angel. Sorry, Angel. And it's great. And it's much better, in fact, because both you and I, when we reviewed uh, Franz Ferdinand's much-anticipated second album, it was a letdown. Mm -hmm. The first album we both loved. They were on Sound Opinions. Second album let us down a bit. I think this redeems it. This redeems Franz Ferdinand. Big big claim, but let's hear it. So here's Franz Ferdinand with Jane Birkin on Sound Opinions. be my first buried treasure. The album's called Monsieur Gainsbourg Revisited. I apologize for my French. It's non-existent. <laughs> uh, and Franz Ferdinand and Jane Birkin covered the song, A Song for Sorry Angel, Sorry Angel. What do you got? Very cool. I'm going to take you to Denton, Texas. Uh, not exactly a hotbed of rock and roll. But uh, I like that place. Yeah. Psychedelic hotbed. Absolutely. But uh, in, in back in the day. And uh, apparently, once again, because they've got this very cool band called Midlake coming out of there. 
couple of North Texas University, actually a quintet of North Texas University students who formed this band called Midlake, made one record a couple of years ago that was pretty good and have topped themselves with a new one called The Trials of Van Occupanther. What they're doing is, uh, whereas the first record was kind of a lo-fi psychedelic record, this is very much steeped in sort of a, a dreamy, dark, mid-70s folk rock vibe. I'm thinking of kind of the Christine McVie, some of Christine McVie's more sultry piano-based kind of things remind me of of this particular record. Uh, The songwriting is really strong. The reason I sort of draw those connections between them and something like Fleetwood Mac is that they've really emphasized the the harmonies on this record. Beautiful multi-part harmonies sort of carrying these melodies, and underneath you've got this kind of exotic mix of uh, orchestral instruments, uh, acoustic and electric guitars, keyboards, and a really marvelous rhythm section that pushes the songs forward but never overwhelms them. Really kind of an empathetic rhythm section. It, it's a wonderful record, a, very, a kind of a mood piece from beginning to end. And it basically it's about escapism, about getting away. Uh, these guys are talking about uh, you know, building a cabin in 1891 as a way of getting away from the, from the present world, which they dislike quite a bit. Uh, in the song Van Occupanther, they talk about let me not be too consumed with this world. In that respect, they remind me a little bit of mid-period Radiohead, uh, Granddaddy, these guys who are creating these fanciful new worlds to escape from the present one. And I think they do a tremendous job of it on this song. The song I'm going to play is Roscoe, the very first song on the record. I think you hear a little bit of that Fleetwood Mac influence that I was talking about on this particular song. It's Midlake on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio. That's one of my buried treasures. It's a song called Roscoe from a band called Midlake. The album is The Trials of Van Occupanther. Jim, we're having fun with this, and we got plenty more buried treasures to go. Uh, you I, and I I've trade had them. Midlake disc in my uh, must listen to soon pile on top of my desk, uh, not to be confused <laughs> with the slush pile and then the stuff I have to write about, which always, you know, the, the must listen to soon never seems to have less than 100, 150 yeah. CDs in it. Just... We're going to get some help tonight, too. Uh, not only you and I going back and forth, but uh, we got some calls from our listeners with suggestions as well. So yes. uh, even more stuff to listen more to. More stuff. Never enough. Glutton's here on Sound Opinions from Chicago <laughs> Public Radio, so stay tuned.
Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio. We are having fun digging up buried treasures. We're going to get to some listener suggestions soon, too. But uh, it's my turn right now, Greg. In some ways, this treasure, I, I guess it wasn't so buried a long time ago, but it's been a long time, so we tend to take artists who have been established for granted. This is one of them. You know, Joan Jett, of course, had her day in the sun in that period when punk merged into New Wave, and that's a long time ago now. It's a quarter <laughs> of a century. But Jet has had an interesting career over the last, I'd say, 10 years in particular. She has seen herself risen to, to the level of a riot girl, godmother, and kind of punk rock heroine. You know, her attitude never went out of style. That sound, that classic sound of the driving rhythms, the big anthemic choruses, and her gruff growl of a voice. You know, it's just a classic rock and roll sound. And she's actually been making good music. It doesn't get much radio play anymore, and I don't think it's considered hip, and I don't care. Because I think (laughs) Sinner, the new album by Joan Jett and the Black Hearts, which she's releasing herself on her Black Heart Records, you know, she is doing a DIY thing Mm -hmm. here, is a really, really good Good record. I bet you've scoffed at it. Haven't even listened to it. No, no. I, no? I love Joan Jett like you do. I mean, right. I love rock and roll. I mean, for that reason alone, she should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Which well, she right? did not write, but did the definitive cover. <laughs> oh yeah, it's an awesome. Must version. be noted. This album is seriously good. There is some political stuff. A song called "Riddles" kicks it off, and it's it's really an angry diatribe against the Bush administration that would make the Dixie Chicks blanch. <laughs> uh, oh, there's also a cover of the Replacements' "Androgynous." Which is interesting because, you know, she's always been considered yes. sort of androgynous herself. But the best song on the album, I think, is called Change the World. And it's got that classic I love rock and roll, almost naive optimism with the, you know, massively anthemic chorus. And, and it just rocks. Joan Jett is rocking here. So the album's called Sinner. The artist is our old friend Joan Jett. And the track is called Change the World. It ain't mine. It ain't yours. Joan Jett. Man, I will take that any day over the Donnas, huh? <laughs> yeah, she's still great. 47 years old. Still do it. She's kicking butt. I like that, Jim. Rock and roll, it never dies, right? And I'm going to play a band that is in a similar vein in that it is full-on, full-on rock by three guys from Brooklyn. The name of the band is Parts and Labor. The name of the record is Stay Afraid. 
I've been familiar with this band since they formed in 1999 as a duo, essentially, built around a keyboardist and a bassist, a very unlikely beginning for a noise rock power trio. Mm. Uh, But that is how they began. And the keyboards and synthesizer are still very much a part of what this band does. But they use it in a way that is at the extreme edge of how keyboards and synthesizer have been used in rock bands. They combine it with guitar, bass, and drums, and they make an unholy racket when they get going. But, you know, if that was all it was, easily dismissed. Just Just another noise band. But every song is a song. Mm. There's a melody at the core of it. And in that respect, they remind me of vintage Husker Du, a band that you and I both love. You'll also hear a little bit of uh, Celtic drone. I'm not quite sure how they get that sound. Maybe it's a combination of the keyboards and synthesizer. Maybe it's the quality of the vocalist's voice. But it very much of that sound of Scottish bagpipes, Celtic drones at the core of this music. You're saying there's some big country happening in this? Oh, my God. Did I just say that? (laughs) Uh, You did, actually. And the other thing i got to say about this band, amazing drummer. Started out as a duo, but when they added the drummer... They took their game up to another level. And Stay Afraid, their third album, is the best of the lot. Here's the very first song on the record, and I think it distills exactly what they do to its essence. It's called A Great Divide. Starts out really noisy, breaks into this beautiful melodic passage, and then combines the two elements to go out into this incredible fist-waving anthem. A Great Divide from Parts and Labor on Sound Opinions. trio called Parts and Labor from an album called Stay Afraid. That's the song called uh, A Great Divide about uh, the haves and the have-nots in our society and how the the gap just keeps getting wider. And they that sound is, kind of upset about it. That is twisted stuff with that bagpipe thing happening. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I'd say they got corn on that one, you know? They're a little bit better than corn with the, with the bagpipe oh, thing. Oh, much, much, think? much, much better. <laughs> Bigger, better than big country, too. Yeah. Jim and I have got more than enough buried treasures to carry the show all by ourselves, but we want to spread the wealth a little bit. We've got a lot of listeners who want to give us their contributions, and let's go to the phones right now and talk to them. Hello, Vanessa. Are you there? Yeah, I am. Hello, Vanessa. Hi. So you've got a buried treasure for us. What is it? It's a Apostle of Hustle. Wow. Apostle of Hustle. It's an offshoot project of um, the guitarist from Broken Social Scene. Ah, yes, the Canadian indie rock underground what is the record called, and what does it sound like, Vanessa? Uh, it's called Folkloric Feel. It's kind of dreamy, and it has really haunting melodies, and I don't know, some of those songs I feel like I could seduce people to. That's wow. all, you can never have enough of those records. No, absolutely not. I need all the help I can get. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, let's hear some of that. Let's hear what this sounds like. Drinking steadily into life, doing a sailor's Tower's height, a 
Thanks, Vanessa. Thanks for the buried treasure recommendation. No problem. My pleasure. All right, let's go to our next caller. That's Al from Glenview. Al, what's your buried treasure? Well, something I haven't seen enough in the press about would be the uh, new record by Richard Hawley hmm. called Cole's Corner. Okay. What do you like about it? He's got a, a beautiful baritone voice, but it's in this sort of expansive, cinematic, but late-night setting. I don't know this guy at all. Do you know him, Greg? I know the name. I've seen the record, have not played it, and now uh, the way Al describes it makes me want to dig in there and Time see to dig what's, it out. what's yeah, going yeah. on. Well, and apparently, uh, you know, I, I haven't heard the Pulp stuff, but he's a guitarist for Pulp. Yeah, the and, Pulp uh, stuff is great. But uh, the record itself, you know, you wouldn't listen to it and go, this is a guitar guy. He's got the voice. He's got these great songs. You know, they're somber, but with these hooks. Well, he's definitely been buried, Al. We are going to listen to it now and we'll figure out if we agree with you that he's a treasure. I think when you hear that title cut, you're going to get a, a good idea of whether it's going to be for you or not. All right. Thanks for the pick. Okay. Thanks, Al. Thanks. Cold city lights glowing The traffic of life is flowing Out over the rivers and on into dark Fill the air. Maybe there's someone waiting for me with a smile and a flower in her hair. All right, we're on with James, who lives in Chicago. And James, you've got a, a buried treasure for us, correct? Yeah. It's uh, it's actually a band out of Indianapolis called Margot and the Nuclear So and So's. That's and, a great name. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and it just starts there. It gets better. That is great. Margot and the nuclear so-and-sos? Right. Wow. And what what uh, what do you like about it? Well, it's a mixed bag where they have uh, a celloist, and they have uh, a guy who plays wooden blocks, and a second drum kit, hmm. and a trumpet player. Um, do they have a person named Margot? They don't. <laughs> well, see, that completes it right there. Right. I'm liking this already. <laughs> right. What's the album called? It's, it's called The Dust of Retreat. So recommend the track here, James. Uh, I would recommend uh, Skeleton Key. He's got such a great voice. He could sing about killing your grandmother, and you'd still love the song. <laughs> All right. There's a recommendation for right. you. Let's hear uh, Margot and the Nuclear So-and-Sos on Sound Opinions. I did a sick, sick thing to my love. My lack of loyalty had swallowed her up. And she cooked me food. She squirmed and turned like a skeleton key. She left her man and attended to me. Thanks for your recommendation, James. Sure. Thanks, James. You've gotta let me know. We're going to get back to more of your phone calls later on in the show, but right now the ball's back in our court. We're going to play with it for a while. Jim, I'm passing to you. It's your turn. 
All right, you were talking about Husker Du in reference to your last buried treasure. I'm going to go with a Minneapolis band called Tapes and Tapes. These guys are not going to be a surprise to listeners of The Current. Minneapolis has been on fire about them for quite some time. Now, you've never lived in Minneapolis, but I have. There's this thing where a hot new band comes up, and suddenly overnight they go from you know playing to two people in 7th Street Entry to fill in the main room of First <laughs> Avenue, and they're declared best new band of the year by City Pages, and then the next year everybody forgets about it. <laughs> you know, since that era of the replacements and Who's Could Do, I, I think very few Minneapolis bands have broken out of Minneapolis and toured. These guys are doing it. The story is very, very similar, and so is the sound. To mm-hmm. clap your hands, say yeah. It's become an internet phenomenon, their initial EP and their first album, which is called The Loon. One of those deals where the guitarist vocalist who leads the band, Josh Greer, was you know out with the band, and he'd come home, and his girlfriend who manages them is staying up all night shipping out CDs to people who are ordering them on the net. The way that that happened is they got discovered by Pitchfork, and they're coming to Chicago to be one of the key acts at the Pitchfork Music Festival in late July. This record has the goods. It's just been picked up by XL, which is going to give it widespread distribution. Uh, It's a really great sound, and one of the things I like about it is the critics are having a very hard time pinning it. Some people are saying Dinosaur Jr. Mm. Some people are saying My Bloody Valentine. There's a lot of pixies in there. I think the most obvious thing is that, like Clap Your Hands, Say Yeah, there's a fascination with that minimalist, stripped-down rhythmic sound of the early Talking Heads. Mm -hmm. It's so funny. I mean, for a long time, I think nobody was thinking about Talking Heads 77, and suddenly, you know, it's a big influence in the underground again. These guys do it. They do it well. They're bringing a lot of original stuff to the party. I think you'll hear that in a song called The Iliad, which is the second track on their album, The Loon. The band is Tapes and Tapes on Sound Opinions. as I said, not a surprise to you current listeners, but I think people in Chicago are still just discovering this band. They've only been through town, I think, two or three times. They're called Tapes and Tapes. The album's called The Loon. It's going to be widely available starting July 25th, right before they come and serve as one of the big headliners on the Pitchfork Festival. And then right after that, they leave and go to England. I talked to these guys last <laughs> week, and they're just like... They're, yeah, they're in a whirlwind, the whole, right? <laughs> you know, it's like they just won the lottery, man. Yeah. They are just... They're That's in, great. That's a great story. Heaven. And uh, that is a good record, Jim. You're absolutely right. Let's take it back to Chicago for a second, shall we? One of my favorite bands in Chicago, and I, I would say at their peak, one of the very best live bands I've ever seen, 11th Dream Day. Uh, oh, I knew you were going to. How did I know you were going to bring knew? this new Dream Day record here? Yeah, we needed to get to this. Zeros and Ones is the new record. A that lot gives of people, me the right to mention Brian Eno three times well, gratuitously. You have, you have my permission. 
I have to mention 11th Dream Day only because they've been around for such a long time. People assume that they've either broken up or, or something's happened. They've stopped recording. They don't tour much. It's a rare event to see them perform live anymore. They record very sporadically. This is only their eighth full-length studio album in about 23 years. But managed to be amazingly consistent when they do record. Rick Rizzo still a terrific guitar player and songwriter. Janet Bean, his former wife, the drummer in the band, is a key member of Freakwater, great country rock duo. And Doug McComb is very difficult for these guys to get together with because Doug is in numerous bands, uh, most famously in Tortoise. The latest addition to the band is Mark Greenberg, a keyboard player, had a long stint in the band The Cocktails, and now the keyboard player in the band. So the new addition here is that droning Farfisa garage rock organ, and Rizzo has made great use of it on this record. This is the hardest rocking, most guitar-centric 11th Dream Day record since their 1988 masterpiece, Prairie School Freakout. Yeah, they've been in kind of like this art rock mode. Yeah, and, more and more I, atmospheric I think the last stuff. two records were great, for They're sure. Wonderful stuff. Rizzo's really expanded his range as a songwriter. And you can hear 11th Dream Day in full-on garage rock and mode in this song that I'm going to play for you next. Lately, I've been thinking on Sound Opinions. I've been thinking from 11th Dream Day, their uh, eighth album, it's called Zeros and Ones, one of my buried treasures. Jim, we're going to be back with some more records that have floated underneath the radar, deserve to be heard, as well as more contributions from our listeners here on Sound Opinions.
Welcome back to Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio. We're talking about buried treasures. This is certainly one of them. That's the title track from the second album by a Chicago group named Gold Stars. It's called Purple Girlfriend. (laughs) You know, Greg, it's worth reiterating here that we do not treat music from Chicago just, you know, especially just because we're in Chicago. We're on in Minneapolis now. We don't treat it that way. It has to be good enough to hold its own with music across the country. Absolutely. And I think certainly the 11th Dream Day record you just played is in that category. So is the Gold Star's second album. This is as good as Garage Rock gets. You know, it's right up there with recent efforts from the Mooney Suzuki or the Hives, if it doesn't even surpass them. You want Trashy Farfisa <laughs> on your 11th Dream Day record? They got Trashy Farfisa in the Gold Stars. These are a couple of familiar faces, and in some cases we don't hold that against them. Doug Julen is a great guitarist. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of these guys were members of the New Duncan Imperials, and uh, another guy who actually is leading the band, he goes by just Sal. Sal, Sal, just Sal, was in a band called The Crinkles. And now they've gotten together and are playing garage rock. These are, you know, uh, getting on being middle-aged guys. None of them too pretty to look at, and they don't care. They're making sounds that are not too pretty to listen to. The first album was pretty strong, but it was a lot of covers, and they were just kind of having a good time. With this one, they stepped up with their songwriting and really wrote a couple of killer tunes. This is a song called Fire. He's on fire. The band's on fire. The girlfriend's on fire. This is... I mean, this is just a, a fiery song. It's the cold stars on Sound Opinions. People say I'm crazy for loving you. That's the gold stars from the album Purple Girlfriend. The song is fire. You got your trashy Farfisa. You got your drums and vocals. You got your guitar. Good stuff, huh? It is good stuff. Let's go out to Arizona. Let's go to the desert, Jim. Let's go uh, take a trip across the desert. Tucson, Arizona, to be precise. The home of Giant Sand, one of the most prolific of the desert rock bands that came to fruition in the 80s under the uh, tutelage of Howe Gelb. The rhythm section of that band, Joey Burns and John Convertino, have become one of the most respected rhythm sections in rock and have become a formidable songwriting team in their own right in the band Calexico. Calexico now a 10-year history, best known for their sound more so than their songs in their previous albums, I think. Kind of this noir soundtrack atmosphere that they created, mariachi rock. But they've made a transition on this new album called Garden Ruin where the songs have sort of become pushed to the forefront, and the atmosphere, while still there, is no longer the primary selling point. Like many bands in the last couple of years, they've been a little bit politicized. They've decided that things, the way things are going in the world are not to their liking, and they're railing against it. And there's a few songs on this new Calexico record that address the situation in the world more directly than they ever have. And that's a good thing. I really like to see the change in the band. I like the idea that they have finally made what, quote-unquote, could be described as a pop record. 
So and you're I, saying I because I gotta confess I've never gotten Calexico. Yeah. Seen them a half dozen times, never gotten them. This is one that I'll you'll find a little catchier. Open my ears a little bit. I gotta right, say okay, I thought right. I had I thought I had Calexico pegged, I and I thought okay again. they're over in this corner, and you know they do that thing fine. No reason to really pay attention to them again, and suddenly here's a record that comes along where I, the songs are at the forefront. Joey Burns has really stepped up as a songwriter on this record and as a vocalist, and here's an example of what they're doing from the new album Garden Ruin. Calexico with Letter to Bowie Knife on Sound Opinions. Every day On my way home The clouds would break And the angels would sing their refrain That is uh, Letter to Bowie Knife from Calexico, their fifth album in their tenth year, kind of reinvented themselves with the Garden Ruin album. Letter to Bowie Knife, I like that title. Well, Greg, we have not run out of buried treasures that we want to unearth, but we like to share here on Sound (laughs) Opinions, and we always learn from our listeners. Let's go to the phones and see what their suggestions include. We have Paula on the phone from Minneapolis. Hi, Paula. Welcome to Sound Opinions. Hi. So what kind of a suggestion do you have for us for a buried treasure? I don't know how buried it is, but I'm really into the living things lately. Oh, that's pretty. I haven't listened to this record. Have you, Greg? Again, one of those records that's on the pile. Okay. Seen it. We were talking by it. We were talking about this before, Paula. Both of us have these milk crates of CDs on the side of our desk that we've winnowed <laughs> down. These are records we want to listen to. Put so, it to the top of your pile. All right. Well, tell us why. Well, I really like music that I can dance to, but I don't like house or like techno, you know, Type of stuff. <laughs> okay. Repetitive stuff. Um, Anti-electronic. Exactly. Sort of, to a point. But I really like stuff that I can go out and drink a beer and, like, pump my fist to it. Okay. Yeah. I think we are, we're in agreement here. Yeah. I think we're all on yeah. the same page. I'm down yeah. with that. <laughs> so check this out. This band, you can go have a beer, pump your fist to it, dance around. They're glam. They're punk. They're retro. They're pop. They're, like, everything. And they have a political message behind it, too. Oh. So if you have a brain and you're smart <laughs> enough to listen... Okay, what's the, what's the album called? Ahead of the Lions. Okay, and what's, uh, what track do you want to hear? I want to hear End Gospel. Okay, that sounds like a really great suggestion, Paula. Let's dive in.
Paula. Thank you. Thanks, Paula. All right, bye. All right, we've got Mitchell from Reading, England on the phone. Hey, Mitchell, I think you are the first overseas listener we've ever spoken to on the phone on Sound Opinions. Thank you. It's quite an honor. Yeah, yeah. So do you listen on the podcast? Uh, I do, yes, yes. I mean, we gotta, you think we can twist the BBC's arm? Mitchell, see what you can do about that. <laughs> okay, well, I will do. I'll, um, no, 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 no word. As a yeah. license fee payer, I'm sure they listen to me. Hey. Hey, you, can be, you can now be our official UK representative. <laughs> well, I do, I do my own best. Have you got a, a Sound Opinions Buried Treasure recommendation? I do, yes. It's a band from Brighton called the Guillemots. Ah, very interesting. I just listened to this record last night, as a matter of fact. Cool record. Tell us a little bit about it, Mitchell. Why do you like it? They're English, but um, two of them are from Brazil, and it's the record's quite quite poppy, but it's kind of got that kind of quirk to it. Mm-hmm. You know, because not everything over here is all about the Arctic Monkeys and the Libertines. There are some, <laughs> you know, other bands that make music. Um, we, we would never know it from what we read, but uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I understand your no. point. Yeah, it's quite spacey and swooning, and you know, one minute it sounds like Coldplay, but the next minute it sounds like Talk Talk. There's um piano on it but there's also kind of scuzzy guitar yeah and they've also got a little bit of that uh, quirky you know any instrument possible kind of vibe that the beta band had uh, yeah yeah there's something like that yeah which i really you know related to and liked a lot what song do we want to play off this uh, gilmott's record uh, i think the, the best one probably to go for would be um, trains to brazil well thanks for the recommendation that's a good pick let's dig into it on sound opinions phone calls there's more discussion uh, raging on soundopinions.org right now you and i are going to do one more pick each greg my last pick is a band that also like 11 dream day would be easy to take for granted it's been a while since we've heard from them last record was 2003 they're finally putting out this one now they are an emo band from madison wisconsin called rainer maria you know some good stuff in the past even though i am not a fan of emo generally speaking the emo genre if you don't know is uh sensitive young boys dressed in cardigans <laughs> alternately uh you know doing the punk thing and screaming or sensitively crooning about how difficult it is to be a sensitive young boy and how lonely they are you know being such however the twist that rainer maria puts on it obviously you know the name comes from the poet rilke and before that the key players in the band were in a band called ezra pound oh my so God. They, there is that, you know, sophomore poet notebook, you know. Pretense alert. Yeah, there's, there's a little of that. But they put a twist on it because the lead singer, she has a great voice. She's a, a really interesting writer. Her name is Caitlin Demaray. You know, she she jokes about it. I interviewed her a couple of weeks back. She said, you know, I, I, yeah, we are, you know, we get sick of hearing it, but we are the only emo band ever with a female <laughs> vocalist. That that would be slim claim to fame if they didn't have the songs to back it up. Despite the fact that they have some, some great originals like Catastrophe and Burn, 
bottle. I'm going to play a cover because I think that they really make it their own. And that's saying something with this track. I'll keep it with mine. It's a Dylan song. It's been covered by a lot of people. You know, Nico did it. Susanna Hoffs did it a long time ago on an album called Rainy Day. You know, a lot of people have done it. I I think uh, Raina Maria kind of owns it. It concludes this album. It's, It's a great record. It's well worth your time if you're interested in this genre. And even if you're not, here they are on Sound Opinions. You search, babe, at any cost But how long, babe, can you search for what's not lost? is Rainer Maria from the album Catastrophe Keeps Us Together. The song's called I'll Keep It With Mine. Nice version, huh? Nice version, although I gotta say, I still gotta go with Sandy Denny on that one. Oh, yeah. Still the definitive version of that song. Yeah. To wrap it up, Jim, I'm gonna talk about an artist who has not been heard from in about 14 years, which is kind of criminal when you consider how good of a guitar player he is. Uh, I'm speaking of Tom Verlaine, a founding member of television, New York City band of the late 70s, that was part of the punk movement, but really not a part of it, in that they, they did things, all sorts of things that violated the quote-unquote punk rulebook. Ten-minute guitar solos, for example, uh, extended tracks, long excursions that were more like psychedelic journeys rather than terse punk songs, but in a way that I think is still unique and still incredibly influential. Tom Verlaine is a guitar player, I think, invented a vocabulary from the guitar which was based on his 60s heroes, but, but took it somewhere new in tandem with Richard Lloyd. Two guitar players not really playing solos, but interlocking parts that yeah. really complemented each well, other. And when you say he hasn't been heard from in 14 years, he hasn't been heard from as a solo artist. Exactly. Tele- television's been touring, but they haven't really been recording. And Verlaine himself has been stockpiling songs for, as I said, 14 years. Finally, this outpouring of new material in recent weeks. Songs and other things, and a second album of instrumentals called Around. Both really fine stuff. Both, I think, really make the case for Verlaine as in that tradition of unsung guitarists like Curtis Mayfield and Robbie Robertson, who didn't really weren't really noted for their solos per se, but for the way they were able to make little riffs and fills and complement a vocalist and sort of fill the spaces in between verses with really cool melodic guitar playing. And Verlaine does that very, very well on his solo record, Songs and Other Things, in particular the track I'm going to play. Listen to how his guitar complements his voice and the song on From Her Fingers on Sound Opinions from Chicago Public Radio.
From Her Fingers, new solo music from uh, Tom Verlaine, his first new music as a solo artist in 14 years. That wraps up another Buried Treasures, Jim. We'll be returning to our Buried Treasures in a few months, no doubt. More records that have sort of floated under the radar and need to be heard. Next week, we've got a great show. Summer's actually starting. And, you know, what better way to kick it off than with a bunch of songs that talk about summer in various ways, in all its, all, all its incarnations. We're not just talking about beach songs. We're talking about driving songs. We're yeah. talking about surfing songs. The best rock songs ever about summer. We're going to offer our suggestions, and we're going to take yours. There's a big thread already started on our always vibrant, often contentious, never less than interesting message board at soundopinions.org, or we'll take your emails at interact at soundopinions.org. Give us your two cents about the great summer singles of all time, and uh, we'll play ours. We have some thank yous to say on the way out. Our executive producer, as always, is Tori Southside Malatia. Our managing producer, director, and uh, former roommate of Caitlin Demaray is Todd Bachman. Producer Matt Spiegel. Our associate producers are Jason Saldana and Robin Lynn. We get legal help from Dino Armiros. We get some technical assistance from Joe Dassault. And uh, I won't go so far as to call him a hoon, but we do appreciate Jim Russell over at American Public Media. <laughs> Don't we? We absolutely do, and boy, oh boy, if I never hear another Barry Manilow song, I'll be real I think we can make this promise to all of our listeners. Sound Opinions will never again play another Barry Manilow song. Yes, I think we can say that safely right now. See you next week.